0: Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Jacob and Esau. The descendants of Esau, the Amalekites, they came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Verse 9, And then Moses said to Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Turn to your neighbor and say, with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hilltop. And when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he held up his hand, Israel prevailed and when he lowered his hand Amalek prevailed but Moses hands were heavy and grew weary from holding them up so long I don't know how long you think you can hold up your arms but you get about two three minute mark you start to get real fatigued Moses hands were heavy and grew weary so the other men took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it and then Aaron and Hur held up his hands one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. All day long, Moses' hands in the air to bring the children of Israel victory. And Joshua, this version says, mowed down and disabled Amalek and his people with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears of joshua that i will utterly blot out the remembrance of amalek from under the heavens and moses built an altar and called the name of it the lord is my banner the lord is my banner the lord is my banner and he said because theirs is a hand against the throne of the lord the lord will have war with amalek from generation to generation My assignment today is to tell you to lift up the banner. Lift up the banner. Turn to your neighbor and say, lift up the banner. Lift up, turn to your neighbor and say, lift up the banner. Now why don't we lift it up in this place right now and give him thanks for the word of the Lord this morning. Lord, we lift up your holy name. We thank you for the power and glory and honor it is to bear the name of Jesus. We do it proudly, Lord. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall through your word this morning on fresh ears. In the name of Jesus, God, let hearts be transformed and minds be renewed and lives be changed under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, but not too long. So the rod of Moses, we just read in the passage, it was just a tool that Moses used when he was herding sheep in the wilderness to help him walk around, to help him complete his job when he was in his 40 years in the wilderness. But as we know, it became a tool through which God would perform miracles in Moses' hands. The rod of Moses was a symbol of God's authority and power over the battle. It identified the omnipotence of God, the all-powerful hand of God, time and time and time again for Moses. And in the context of this story, it is a symbol of God's authority and power over the battle. When that rod the representations of of God's power, was lifted up. The Israelites experienced victory. But when it was let down, the battle turned to favor the Amalekites. So they held Moses' hands up, holding the rod of God until they won the victory, until the setting of the sun. And then the verse says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my Banner. This was the place where the name Jehovah Nisi was first derived. The word Nisi is derived from the Hebrew words Nus and Nasas, which means to flee for refuge and to hoist or lift up, and were thus rendered to mean the Lord my refuge and my exaltation, from which was derived the Lord is my banner. Somebody who knows the Lord is their banner, why don't you lift your hands again? If you believe it and shout with a voice of triumph, why don't you declare it? The Lord is my banner. Why don't you turn to the enemy and say, you know what, devil? I don't care what you throw at me. The Lord is my banner. The Lord himself, God almighty, God of all creation. He is my banner. And I hold that banner up proudly. You see, flags carry lots of meanings. They always have. So what is a banner? A banner is is a flag that's raised up on a pole as a rallying point. And in medieval times, they were used to represent various titles or authorities or positions of nobles. And they were used to mark a nation or a nationality. And they were used in battles to identify nations and which side soldiers were fighting on. And they were also used to strike fear into the enemy and terror into the enemy. And they were used to declare the winner in battle, the one who took the victory. A very famous statue with a flag is the U.S. Marine Corps War Memorial, a world-famous statue based on the photograph taken by a photographer, Joe Rosenthal. And it depicts the six soldiers who raised up the American flag at Iwo Jima in World War II. We've all seen that statue. Six, Six soldiers all pushing up the flag together because it indicated the end of the American campaign in the Pacific during World War II. Lifting the U.S. flag indicated that the battle had been won. A flag has a lot of symbolic meaning to it. The importance of a flag in warfare is crucial because it is something that the troops on both sides look to, something they can see above the chaos and all the turmoil and the fighting to tell them what tactic to use or where to direct the attention or the force or who was victorious. In medieval times, banners, also called standards, also marked the position of an important individual before a battle or during a siege or throughout a ceremony or at a tournament. And in reference to flags, banners and standards can often be used interchangeably and often were, but they do have slightly different meanings. Banners were flags with a royal insignia that were taken into battle, into battle. And the standards were more stationary to identify where the monarch dwelt. The standard was supposed to mark the palace or the castle or the base or the the tent or the ship where the commander was. So a standard, a specific type of flag, was an indicator of where the king was actually present. Someone already knows where I'm about to go. Y'all help me. When you hold up the standard of the Lord, what you're saying is, The king is here. God is located here with me. The Lord, my God, is beside me. I am in the presence of the I am. God is here. I am in the tent of the commander. I am with the captain of the ship, the general of the army, the admiral of the fleet. I am with the master of the castle. I am in the palace of the king of kings because I'm holding up the standard of the Lord. Hallelujah. When you lift up the standard of God, you're declaring what side you're on. You're making a declaration that you are on God's side. Come on, someone lift up the standard of the Lord right now. You see, there has to be a standard bearer. Someone has to hold up the flag to show the colors of the kingdom or the insignia of the kingdom. And being a standard bearer was considered a position of honor. And only the best soldier would be chosen. Standard bearers were paid more money, and they also had more duties. They had important roles that they were to carry out. And the carrying of standards in battle was very important to soldiers. They were not just considered signs that the soldiers followed into battle or, or where to go. They actually were sacred symbols to armies. And they meant something very special to all the soldiers because if a, sta- if a standard was lost. The entire unit would be in disgrace. So standards for battle were so important that when they were not in battle, they were kept in a shrine or the most important building in the camp, the headquarters of the building, the very center of the fort of the building. And there was always a soldier on guard at the location where the standard or the banner was. Historians say a standard bearer should be only one who is very vigorous and brave, a young officer who's willing to sacrifice his life to defend the banner. Often the standard bearer would be next to the commander in charge or the king, bearing the king's colors. So in the Middle Ages, it was also common for standard bearers to serve the lords and kings whose banners they held by acting as bodyguards. Of the kings or lords. So, in fulfilling the important role of a standard bearer, it was actually a form of servanthood to the king. If you were chosen to be the standard bearer of the king, you were chosen to stand by his side, to represent him, to hold up that which everyone would identify, his presence. In other words, you would be next to him. You didn't have any other weapons in your hand, you just held the standard up. You held the banner high. You lifted it up for everyone to see. And you didn't let your arms get tired. Someone's got to be willing to hold the king's standard. Someone's got to be willing to be a servant who doesn't carry the weapons but holds up the flag bearing the symbol of the king. Someone's got to be willing and bold enough to stand by the king's side and hold up his standard to declare his presence to march into battle when the king says attack and to show the enemy that the king is taking over. He's taking the battlefield. Being the standard bearer was a dangerous role. He would have to go into battle, but often didn't have a sword, didn't have the same spear or weapons that the other soldiers did. He wasn't a typical soldier. He had a unique uniform, often dressier, flashier, further making him a target. And he was responsible for holding up that flag for hours. See, soldiers, the ones who were fighting, were swinging their arms. And and you know they were tired, but they at least got to change their arm position. When you're just standing with your arm in one position, it gets really, really, really fatiguing. So he would have had to have had some type of incredible determination and strength in his hands and his arms, his grip strength powerful not to let that go. So in our text in Exodus 17, we see Moses carrying the king's standard, if you will. The rod of God, as he called it, held up so many times. And he knew that God fought for the Israelites and he experienced the Lord becoming the banner for them because the Lord said, make a memorial. And this is where The Jehovah Nisi first came about. The Lord is my banner because Moses and the Israelites witnessed it. As long as it was raised, the battle was theirs. Come on, as long as you got the banner up, the victory is yours. As long as you're holding it up. As long as your hands are up. Someone's going to get it. I know there's someone. As long as your hands are up. Come on, don't get tired. As long as your hands are up. As long as you're holding the banner of the Lord, there is nothing that can stop you. Because it indicates the king is here. The king is on my side. God became the banner for the Israelites. And and yet we know in history and through the Bible there were so many times they tried to do battle alone. Without carrying the banner, if you will. And the Bible says they were defeated by the enemy. Time and time again, we read stories of how they made mistakes. They strayed, they complained, they bemoaned their situation. They forgot the miracles that God had done for them. Oh, that we may never forget. Lord, help us to never forget to carry your banner high and proudly. Let us never forget that it is you who is on our side. You alone who brings us victory, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. That is how we do battle. That's why we don't carry swords and spears. That's why we don't get into fist fights with the devil. But we do battle on our knees. We do battle with our hands in the air. We do battle when we sing and when we shout in faith because that is where the victory comes from. From him, not from anything you or I can do. You can't leave the king's standard behind. Without representation, Israelites experience defeat. Without the king's representation, they lost. In Isaiah, we read several prophecies of the Israelites while in captivity. Prophecies of them being punished for their wickedness, prophecies of their salvation, and prophecies of the Messiah. Isaiah is a very difficult book to read because through his visions and prophecies, the, the text and the perspective switches many times. But in Isaiah, there's many passages that describe the Messiah to save them as a warrior. Isaiah, in many of his visions, saw the Messiah being a warrior and one to save his people from captivity. And he uses several descriptions of the Messiah being a warrior. What would they expect a soldier to do? What would they expect a soldier to wear? This is where the, 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 the context for the Israelites trying to, to imagine the Messiah coming. It's why they had so much trouble with Jesus, because he didn't look like the warrior they thought that had been prophesied about. In Isaiah 59 and 16, it says, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. No one to intervene on behalf of truth and right, and therefore his own right arm brought him victory, his own righteousness having the spirit without measure sustained him. For the Lord put on righteousness as a breastplate or coat of mail. He put on salvation as a helmet upon his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal and furious divine jealousy as a cloak. These are war terms. These are things that a warrior would put on, a helmet, a breastplate, a coat of mail. And according as their deeds deserve, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies on the foreign islands and coastlands. He will make compensation. This is a warrior that's being prophesied about, someone who knows how to do battle. It's not some new recruit, not a newbie. And God has the people's backs here. He's coming in with armor. He's coming in to get vengeance against the enemy of his people. I'm here to tell someone today that thinks that God's forgotten you. God has not forgotten his people. He has not forgotten your situation. He has not forgotten your distress. He has not forgotten your stress. He has not forgotten your depression. He has not forgotten where you are. He has not forgotten any state that you're in. He knows exactly where you are, and the Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He knows everyone that's done you wrong. Our job is not to get vengeance on this earth. His job is to take care of our enemies. Our job is just to hold the banner up high, proudly. I said, Our job is just to keep the hands in the air and say, God is on my side, and I am on his. He is mine, and I am his. I bear the colors of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He'll take care of those who hurt his children. And verse 19 that we just of the chapter we just read, Isaiah 59, so as a result of the Messiah's intervention, listen to this, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And now someone tell, read this part with me. Come on, somebody. You know this part. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord, will lift up a standard. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him and put him to fight, for he will come like a rushing stream with the breath of the Lord drives. He shall come as a redeemer to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, says the Lord. I said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, when you feel like you're overrun, when you feel like you can't take anymore, when you feel like you can't catch a breath, that's when the Lord himself lives up a standard. When your arm gets too tired, when you can't hold it up anymore, God himself, the spirit of the Lord, will lift up your standard. The Redeemer, the Redeemer is a warrior. He fights for his people. The scripture says, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the West. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in and in truth, God himself, the spirit of the Lord holds up a standard or banner on behalf of his people. He himself becomes the standard bearer. He holds the flag up with his mighty grip that doesn't get faint or weak. He doesn't need anyone to hold up his arms like Moses did. He holds up the colors when his people are attacked. The Spirit of the Lord becomes the bearer of the colors. He holds up the flag high for his people to rally to, for everyone to see that the king is in the camp. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking to someone who's so tired in their mind and their body and their spirit, you don't even think you can make it another day. You don't even know how you got here. It's almost like somehow you woke up and were translated. You're so out of it in your mind. And I'm here to tell you today, this message is for you because when you are at that point, you can't bear it anymore. You can't hold it up anymore. You don't have strength anymore. That's when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and lifts up a standard against the enemy. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of the Lord comes in and strikes fear in the enemy camp. The Spirit of the Lord holds up a standard against the enemy. He holds it up so that the enemy knows the king of kings is here in the camp. He's on the side of his children. That's your God. Somebody say, that's my God. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's my God. Turn to your other neighbor and say, mine too. The enemy comes in like a flood. And you feel like you're too weak. You can't take another step. You feel overwhelmed. Your mind's just overrun. It's just racing. You can't sleep at night. You got problems you can't fix. Can I go a little bit deeper? When you're drowning in debt, somebody, somebody, when you're drowning in debt, that's when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and lifts up a standard against all the stress and anxiety the enemy tries to whisper in your ear. When your spouse leaves you, when your kids leave you, when your parents leave you, when your friends leave you, when you're all by yourself, when there's no one else around you to encourage you, when the people at church are so busy with their own problems, they can't give you a word of encouragement. When you feel like you've been abandoned in distress, that's when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and lifts up a standard for you. When you get sick in your body and the devil tells you you're never going to get better. Somebody with a disease who's been diagnosed with a problem, stand up and raise the banner right now. You feel like you're never going to get better. The doctors and all the statistics tell you you're not going to get recovery. That's when the spirit of the Lord comes in and lifts up a stick. Somebody been diagnosed with cancer and the devil tells you you got six months to live. That's when the Spirit of the Lord comes in and tells you, Come on, come on, lift up the standard in this place. Don't get weak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you and we praise you, God. Oh, my God, my king. You're the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. You're the creator of everything. Lord, every breath we take is but a grace and a mercy from you. We give you thanks for every blessing you've ever given us. Thank you, God, for every day we've woken up. Thank you for the chance to feel your presence today. Thank you for a word of encouragement. Thank you, God, for my brother, for my sister. Thank you for my kid that's walked out. Thank you for my spouse that's filed for divorce. Thank you, God, for everything you've done because through it all Jesus through it all Jesus through it all Jesus Jesus I will bear the name of Jesus and he will lift me up when I can't take it Lord your strength is made perfect in my weakness therefore I will glory in my infirmities and my distresses because that's when the spirit of the Lord can't come in and take over Scripture says, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, as a result of the Messiah's intervention, they shall reverently fear the name of the Lord from the west. And when the enemy comes in like a flood. As a result of what the Messiah did. Verse 20 of Isaiah 59 says, he shall come as a redeemer. The redeemer, redeemer, redeems us from captivity, redeems us back to himself. When we've strayed and gone away, the redeemer is described as a warrior. And the spirit of the Lord lifts up the standard as a result of the Messiah. This is what the Bible says as a result of the Messiah, because God robed himself in flesh, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, because of his salvation on the cross, the spirit of the Lord holds up a standard for his people. Because of the cross. In other words, Isaiah prophesied specifically that the Spirit of the Lord would rally His people after the Messiah, the Redeemer, came. The Spirit of the Lord will come after the Messiah as a result of the Redeemer. Can I go deeper? Let me break this down. The Spirit became a standard bearer after Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Redeemer, was crucified. After he died, and after he was buried, and after he rose on the third day. Then, 40 days later, on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of the Lord fell on them with cloven tongues as of fire. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And that's when the Spirit of the Lord has the ability to come in and take Because of the Messiah. Because Jesus shed his blood. That is why we have the ability to be filled with the spirit of supernatural power of almighty God. And he himself lifts us up when we're too weak. If you got the Holy Ghost, you need to be lifting up your hands right now and giving some thanks. And if you don't have it, today's your day. If you got it yesterday, you need it again today. Is anyone hearing me? When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, suddenly you have the King dwelling inside of you. When you get the Holy Ghost, He Himself dwells inside of you. Scripture says that as a result of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord will intercede in battle on our behalf. The Messiah, a warrior. But Jesus never acted like a warrior, did he? He never wore chainmail. He never wore a breastplate. He never had a helmet or a sword or a spear. He never rode in on a war horse. He never came in on a chariot. He didn't come into battle with kingly armor. The Messiah that the Israelites longed for was born in a stable, laid in a manger, raised as a carpenter, Not as a king that the Israelites expected. And Jesus, God in flesh, the Messiah, the warrior redeemer in Isaiah. He wore a plain robe. He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. He ate with sinners. He healed the sick. He let the children come to him and play around him. He let the unclean touch him. He spent all day feeding the hungry. He washed his disciples' feet. He showed compassion on his people. He loved his people. He was a servant. He was a servant. He was a servant to his people. He served his people. The king, the warrior. Was a servant. And Isaiah chapter 49 talks about the Messiah being a servant. And he came not to save just the Jews, but all of mankind. Isaiah 49 is a prophecy of dialogue from the perspective of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, but also from God enthroned in heaven. And the perspective changes as you read Isaiah 49. And in that passage, the Messiah, Jesus, the son of God is talking and he says, and he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hid me and made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He has kept me close and concealed me. And then God, the father in heaven, in verse three says, and the Lord said to me, you are my servant. God then tells the son, you are my servant. And the Messiah, the I am, his servant, is going to bring back not only Jacob, that Israel might be gathered, but also the Gentiles. And then in verse 6, he says, God the Father, it is too light a thing, it is too small a thing that you, the Christ, should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of the judgments of Israel. Therefore, I will also give you for a light to the nations, the whole world, that my salvation may extend to the end of the earth. It's too small a task for you just to bring Israel back to me. It's too small a thing for you just to bring one people It's too small a thing for you just to bring the ones who I chose initially. But I want everyone. I want all the nations. I want the end of the earth. The Son of God will bring salvation to the whole world. He says, you, my servant, the servant we just read about will be the redeemer warrior for the whole world that Isaiah talks about later. And this is, Is what the Redeemer warrior, the Son of God, the Christ, whose name is Jesus, says. Verse 16, Isaiah 49. Behold, I have indelibly imprinted, inscribed a picture of you, engraved you on the palm of each of my hands. Oh, Zion, your walls are continually before me. He inscribed a picture of you on the palm of his hands when he let them drive nails through them. Every time they swung the mallet, every time the nail went in, he was drawing you on his palms. He was letting them inscribe not just the Jews, but the Gentiles. Your name is written in blood by a blood covenant that he cut when he let them nail his hands to the cross. This is what the Savior did because he loves you so much. The hands of the Savior were etched with your likeness, with nails, and not just your name. He says, I have graven, inscribed, imprinted thee. doesn't say I've inscribed your name. He says, I've inscribed thee. I've I've graven you, the fullness of you. Your person, your image, your case, your circumstances, your sins, your temptations, your weaknesses, your wants, your works. I have graven you, everything about you, all that concerns you, everything that you could ever go through. I have put in one symbol in one engraving on my hand by letting them do this thing. I have put the all together here. Yeah. How could we ever say that God has forsaken us? But the devil is conniving and deceitful. What if he snatches me out of his hands? Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 28, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never lose it or perish through the ages. To all eternity, they shall never by any means be destroyed, and no one, no one, no one, no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. And next verse, my Father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all else. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And then look at verse 30. I and the Father are one. The Savior, the Master, the Christ, he said it. I and the Father are one. You are in the hands of the God of all creation. No one can snatch you out of them. No one. No devil No demon, no witchcraft, nothing can snatch you to those who are in Christ. You are engraved in his hands because of the blood that you shed. He shed it on the cross, and in the process, he let you be engraved on his palms. That ought to make someone excited. And then, in verse 22, Isaiah said... After he had engraved his people on his hands, verse 22, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up my hand to the Gentile nations. I will set up my standard and raise my high signal banner to the peoples. And they will bring your sons in the bosom of their garments and your daughters will be carried upon their shoulders. These hands, the ones engraved with his children, are the ones that hold up the standard of the Lord. The hands that have you in the palm, the hands that are holding you, the hands that you're engraved in are the ones that lift up the standard of the Lord. Jesus, the servant of all mankind, himself wrote the names of those he loved forever on his hand. These hands, the ones engraved with his children, are the ones in the book of Revelation who are declared to be worthy to open the scroll when no others could. Y'all are going to get it in a minute. The hands that are worthy to open up the scroll are the same hands that because of the blood he shed, you are inscribed in. And these are the hands that hold up the standard of the Lord. Jesus, the servant of all mankind. Luke 12 says this. Blessed are those slaves whom the master shall find on the altar when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table. And he will come up and wait on them. See, normally in ancient times, a slave would bear the brand mark of his master. But in Isaiah 49, 16, that's not what happens. Here the master inscribes the servant's name on his hands. The God of all creation bears the engraved images of His children. Someone needs to get this in this place. Someone needs to hear this. The King of kings became the servant of all so that His spirit could enter with the power of the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so that then He could lift up the standard for His people. Come on, Moses, the Lord is my banner. We're the next step past that. Moses held up his rod, the rod of God, and said, the Lord is my banner. But through the blood of Jesus, through the intercessor, through the redeemer, through the warrior, through the servanthood of God who laid down his life, you and I, when we're frail and we're too weak and we can't hold up any longer, have the gift of the Holy Ghost to come in and hold up the standard. That's my Jehovah Nisi. That's my Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jehovah Nisi. the name. The Lord is my banner. His name is Jesus. Somebody shout that name right now. I'm on the Lord's side and he's on mine. I hold up the banner of the Lord and I hold it up proudly. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. So devil, come on at me. Because as soon as you try to, I'm holding up that banner. I got a little bit of strength left in me. Oh, come on, somebody. You got just a little bit of strength left to hold up the banner with the name of Jesus on it. You say, hey, he died for me. I plead the blood of Jesus. My God, remind me of the miracle that you've done allowing me to receive your spirit. We're talking about holding up the name of God in front of the enemy with all of his armies. And a bearer of the name of Jesus cannot be touched a bearer of the name of Jesus cannot be touched. Oh, the devil can get all around you and all that he can do to you and he can hide you and dog you and get on your back and do all kinds of stuff, but the only way he actually has control over you is if you let him get up here. Because he whispered, he's the father of lies. He He can't tell a truth. He tells a partial truth and mixes it all up. You see, we forget that we know the name of Jesus. We Bear the name of Jesus. We forget that. But devils even tremble and fear at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that Christ is the Lord. The name of Jesus is the name that we will all bow to. We forget. The devil already knows it. We're the ones that forget. When I'm too tired and when the enemy comes in like a flood. The Holy Ghost starts to move on my behalf. And the hands with my engraving will hold up a standard for me. I'm talking to somebody with an identity problem. Someone who's forgotten who they really are. Someone who was an orphan as a child who didn't know their parents. Someone who thinks their parents didn't want them. I'm talking to you today. You were not an accident. You were not unplanned. I'm here to tell you that God planned you. You are special. You are his. You belong to him. You are important. You have a place in the kingdom. You have a place at the table. The Lord is on your sides. You are his and he is yours. You fight, and when you fight, you fight with the king of kings on your side. And when you allow him to enter in with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you become a bearer of the name of Jesus and the resurrective power that comes with that name. The devil can't beat you. He wants to make you think that you're nothing. He wants to distract you with sickness and, dis- and distress and finances. He wants to distract you with these things. Spirit of depression coming on you. You start thinking one thing, it leads to another. He wants to trick you to make you think that you don't have the victory. But the actual end of the book... Those hands with you on them are the ones that open the seal. You're on those hands. You remind him that you're a bearer of the name of Jesus. The banner, we hold it up to identify that we belong to him. We worship God. We lift our hands to him. We go to him like a child goes to their father. We say, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. But the message to you today is that when you raise your hands, you show the devil whose side you're on. You show the devil that, you know what, I have just a little bit of strength left in me, and I'm going to hold up the standard, the banner with the name of Jesus on it. Because he is on my side, and I am on his. You see, when your hands are lifted up, it's as if you are raising a banner saying that I'm, I'm something important. I belong. I belong to this side of the camp. I'm holding up the banner and the standard with the name of Jesus. I'm lifting it up to today. I'm not afraid to be the armor bearer, the, the, the standard bearer of Jesus. Your very existence Even before you get the Holy Ghost, your existence is a testament to the awesome creative power of Almighty God. Every breath you take is given by Him. You are His creation. You belong to Him. Even before you give your life to Him, your life still reflects the glory of God and His creative power. Because He breathed into men the breath of life. Someone who's depressed and has thought of taking their life, don't entertain that thought anymore. Your life means so much more than you could imagine. Every breath you take is His. He's given it to you. He created you. You are special. You are etched in His hands. And today, I want you to let Him fill you with His Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will come in, and He will change everything that you thought was a reality. He will up, upturn everything that the devil has told you was going to be the, the end of the, of the summation of things. He's going to reverse everything, and you're going to see clearly for the first time, and you're going to be able to say, You know what? Now, now, the Spirit of the Lord can come in and lift up a standard for me. The standard means that the battle's won. The standard raised means that the king is in the camp. Is there anyone who believes that the king is in the camp today? Lift, let's stand right now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The king of kings is in this place. The master is here. Lift up your hands, be the standard bearer, and shout the name of Jesus right now. Come on, come on, that's it. Let the enemy know that Jesus is on your side and you're on his. Come on, shout with a voice of triumph, shout with a voice of praise, lift up the banner. You're not going to drown, Peter. You're not going to drown just because you're walking on water. But Jesus himself will reach down and pull you up. When you feel like you're at your last breath, the master can add 15 more years. Somebody, come on. Be the standard bearer for your family. On behalf of your family. Let the enemy know that you're on the side of the king of kings and the lord of lords. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here to heal, save, deliver, transform. Today is your day. Whatever needs you may have, I want you to come. You are not alone, you are not forgotten. I know there's some that think you can't do it another day. You can't make it anymore. The Lord's going to come and lift up the standard for you today. It's going to be a rallying point. You're going to look up and say, oh, God. Oh, God. That's my king. He's on my side.